The presenting sponsor of Behind the Beak is Down in Front Productions. DIFP is a video production company located in Birmingham, Alabama that strives to provide high-quality video services for your business or event at very competitive prices with a personal approach. They specialize in sporting events, weddings, and business videography, but also provide recording and video editing work for other events such as seminars, commercials, and concerts. Give Dustin and the crew a call at 205-588-0868 or visit them at difpbham.com. That's D-I-F-P-B-H-A-M.com to see how they can help you. Down in Front Productions, the presenting sponsor of Behind the Beat. Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Now, here's your host, Tyler Brown. Hello, everyone, and welcome into Behind the Beat, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. I'm Tyler Brown alongside Avery Davis, and today is Tuesday, October 20th. This is episode number 44 of the series. In a few minutes, I'll sit down with men's and women's head basketball coaches Ray Harper and Rick Petrie. Two programs began official practices last week and are preparing for the start of the 2020-21 season on November 25th. There are interviews in just a few moments, but first, a few quick notes and some news. Last week's guest was junior offensive lineman Michael Shaddix. He talks about his recovery from a torn ACL, the Gamecocks' performance thus far this season, and how the offensive front has improved since 2019. To listen to previous episodes, Behind the Beat can be streamed at jsugamecocksports.com slash podcast, on Apple Podcasts, and on Spotify. Last Saturday, Jacksonville State football claimed a 24-17 win over in-state rivals North Alabama. And Avery, that one's a, a rivalry that is from the old Gulf South days. And I think that the teams are kind of coming around and they're, they're finding that rivalry once again. And hopefully that continues. I know we have them scheduled for the next few years, but that's a game that has a lot of tie-ins. Greg Seitz, the athletic director here at Jacksonville State, is a UNA graduate. Jerry Feltz, who writes our Game Stories is a UNA guy. Ben Ray, who is the play-by-play broadcaster for the Lions, is a JSU graduate. And then Bill Jones, who has his name on the court here at Jacksonville State, started his head coaching career with the Lions and was there from 72 until 74. So a lot of crossover between the two programs, and Jacksonville State comes out on top on Saturday, 24-17. to UNA led at the half 10-7. to and opened up with a 19-play, 10-minute drive that they had to settle for a field goal on. Later in the game, Zarek Cooper tied Ed Lett for career passing touchdowns with his 61st of his career. Jacksonville State went up 21-17 on a quarterback sneak at the end of the third quarter, and then Alan Karadzic stayed perfect with his fourth field goal of the season to put the game out of reach 24-17. Avery, you were there on Saturday. What did you see during that game? Yeah, the Lions came out with a lot of energy. You could tell that this was a big game for them. And it almost felt like early on that they were playing their ball that they wanted to play, holding on to the ball, managing the clock well. And like we talked about their opening 19 play, 10-minute drive, and then we had the ball for, what, 30 seconds Mm -hmm. and gave it right back to them, put our defense back on the field. But later in the game, we settled down, uh, started to make some big plays, some big throws from Zarek Cooper to Trey Berry. And in the fourth, 
Alan Karadzic with a 36-yard field goal to put the Gamecocks up 24-17. That's his fourth field goal of the year. He's 4-4 four for four now. So it was a big kick, and the Gamecocks were able to hold on to get the win in Florence. You mentioned ball control early in that one. I was really nervous going into the half. Lions scored on a Parker Diggs one-yard run with 19 seconds to go before halftime. UNA controlled the football for 22 minutes, 26 seconds in the first half compared to Jacksonville State having the ball for only seven minutes and 34 seconds that first half. But like you said, JSU found its footing in the second half. The defense was able to shut down the Lions, and the Gamecocks were able to start kind of throwing the ball around. Cooper had two rushing touchdowns and then had the passing touchdown in the third to tie Ed Lett on the career passing list with 61 touchdowns. And so the biggest challenge in that one was that Coach Gross was sitting at home. He was having to watch it from his computer just like everyone else was on ESPN3. Jimmy Ogle, the offensive coordinator and assistant head coach, was calling the plays during the game. And Jimmy was ecstatic after the game. They called Coach Gross on the phone in the locker room, got him on Zoom to talk to the guys afterwards. And so Jacksonville State able to keep that same energy. Jimmy able to get the guys up and get them prepared for the game. And it was a fantastic outing for the assistant head coach who got a little time in the spotlight on Saturday. A big challenge coming up on Friday at 6 o'clock. The Gamecocks will be in Miami, Florida, taking on Florida International. It will be the first matchup with the Panthers. The team will fly out on Thursday, and that game will be on ESPN3. And Avery, there was a little question early in the week who we would be going because FIU shut down their football operations and canceled their game against Charlotte. And so things seem to be up in the air there for a while, but they called us and said, hey, our game's still on, and so we'll be flying down on Thursday and getting ready for that game. And it's a quick turnaround kind of for the Gamecocks having to play on Friday. FIU obviously with a little bit of a break, even though they have to deal with the COVID cases and, and all the up in the air. But the Gamecocks 2-1 and one now with a loss against a Florida State team that's a, of the ACC and played well. So you really like to get this last win to go into the short break we have here before the spring season go three and one I think that would be uh, big for this team big for this team's uh, morale to push forward and another big headline would be if the Gamecocks can go down and get a win over Conference USA's FIU it would be the first win for an FCS team over an FBS team this year and so that would be huge going into the offseason as well In other JSU sports, Rifle shoots Friday on October 23rd and Sunday, October 25th at the Citadel. And in NFL news, former Gamecock Saran Neal had two tackles in the Bills' 26-17 loss on Monday night against the Kansas City Chiefs. Troy Main Pope and the Los Angeles Chargers were on a bye this week. The Chargers return to action against Jacksonville next week. And also, Josh Pearson remains on the practice squad of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And in a new segment to the podcast called This Week in JSU Athletics History, we visit a moment on October 24th, 1998, when quarterback Montressa Kirby set the record for most passing yards gained per completion, connecting on five passes for 174 yards, averaging 34.8 yards per throw. That led Jacksonville State to a 31-19 win over Sam Houston at Burgess Snowfield. And that was This Week in JSU Athletics History. That does it for everything happening around athletics, and now it's time for today's featured guests. Head men's basketball coach Ray Harper is entering his fifth year with the Gamecocks, and head women's basketball coach Rick Petrie is back for his eighth season at the helm in Jacksonville. Both teams began full practices last week and are preparing to open the year on November 25th after COVID-19 pushed the start of the season back a few weeks. Both coaches discussed the challenges the coronavirus pandemic has caused to scheduling, preparation, and preseason workouts. Despite the changes to the normal routine, 
Both are happy to have a hard start date and are glad to see both teams on the court practicing for the upcoming campaign. Leading things off is women's head basketball coach, Rick Petrie. One of two guests on the podcast this week is head women's basketball coach, Rick Petrie. And coach, to begin with, three and two start for the Saints and a big win over Tampa Bay in week <laughs> one. How, how are you feeling about the NFL season? Uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm guardedly optimistic. Um, you know, this, uh, the Saints they had the great win week one against Tampa, but of course then had the, the bad loss at, uh, against uh, the Raiders and subsequently against uh, Green Bay. So, But they've bounced back with you know, two solid wins here. And uh, so, again, guardedly optimistic. Uh, you know, I, th- I think, you know, as a fan, speaking strictly as a fan, you know, um, uh, Drew Brees is my all-time favorite Saint, and clearly he struggled a little bit early. Um, you know, he's looked more like himself the last couple of games, and so hopefully – we get to keep looking at that, and hopefully our defense gets better. I know a lot of locals, you know, um, who pull in at the ACC country. Of course, they, a lot of locals pull for Alabama. I don't know Alabama's defense didn't look like it normally does, um, uh, nor has the Saints and what they were expected to do. But uh, hopefully, they get better as well. And then, as a New Orleans fan, I can imagine you you take great pleasure in seeing the Falcons' struggles. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I don't. It's a, I don't hate them as much as most New Orleanians do, because uh, you're right. Now, the average Saints fan hates the Falcons. Mm-hmm. That's a fact. Um, I've never hated them as much as most New Orleanians do. But uh, <laughs> it is always amusing, however, to see the the memes and the uh, messages on social media, particularly when the Falcons were blowing the leads uh, early on. It that's, that is amusing, <laughs> I do have to say. Well, Coach, the real reason we're here is you guys are one week into official practices with basketball, and I would have to imagine there is a sigh of relief breathed that we are here at this point, and there is a concrete start date of November 25th finally announced. The best thing for those of us that coach is to deal with the known. And so uh, dealing with the unknown is a very insecure place to live. Frankly, it is for anybody, but particularly for those of us that coach, because those of us that coach like to be in control of our environment, you know. And so uh, so knowing exactly when we start, knowing how many games we get to play, because they, they reduce the number of contests, um, all that, just knowing there's a great sense of security. Um, there's still a little bit of a sense of insecurity because conferences around the nation are changing their conference schedules. And uh, they had one, and then they've changed it to another. And so, you know, we still we still don't have a publicly released conference schedule yet. We do have one on paper. It's not the original one. Uh, you just wonder if this is going to change again. Mm-hmm. You know, you just don't know. I just look at what other leagues are doing. And you just don't know what's going to happen in our league. But um, but at least we have, like you said, at least we have a start date. We do have our non-conference games scheduled. And so we do have those locked down. Um, uh, and so, you know, so, so, so we'll, we'll attempt to play the games as they are laid out for us. How challenging has COVID-19 made scheduling? Because obviously you, back in July, you have an idea of what you're going to play. You, you release a few games that you know, non-conference games that you're looking at, and then all of a sudden the, the brakes get pumped and things change. How, how tough has that made it for you as a head coach to go out and find schools to play with this shortened season? Well, you know, uh, we had a schedule. Our schedule was actually intact mm-hmm. uh, by the time uh, school started. 
and then they made the change. And so when they made the change, we had to drop four games. Uh, they moved the, of course, they moved the schedule back two weeks, fifteen days to be exact. And you had to drop uh, from, in our case, twenty nine to twenty five. And so, uh, so one of the games we dro- had to drop, we were supposed to open up at Georgia Tech, mm-hmm. you know, and that was. Listen, our kids always enjoy playing in a Power Five environment. They always enjoy it, um, and so that was just. Dis- and we lost that game, so that was a disappointment that we lost that game. Uh, we had a game scheduled with North Alabama, lost that game. Um, so, uh, so you know, we were able to shift some things around, get some other games moved, but uh, nonetheless, again, we had our schedule in place. We just had to move things, and then. Then the conference decided to increase our number of contests from 18 to 20. So now we had to cut two more games. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, so so that's uh, so the and, you know, we're so, you know, there's some other things that the conference wants us to do with the schedule they gave us that makes us have to move around games in December, perhaps. So, uh, again, with the this is just the covid world we live in. Things change constantly. Mm-hmm. Uh, in every segment of our lives, and so why should basketball be any different, I guess? What's it been like this past week to have your team here for these full practices and being able to up it from, you know, 12 hours a week up until now you're able to kind of put the pedal to the metal? Absolutely. Well, you know, we we had the eight hours a week, which was standard, Mm -hmm. and then they bumped it up. Once they made the decision to move our season back, they actually bumped up to 12 weeks, So, excuse me, 12 hours, so it gave us an additional four hours, which we turned into an additional two days. Mm -hmm. So it really, you know, put us way ahead of schedule in terms of the number of you know, two-hour events that we that we could have. What we've done now that practice has started is we we reserved all those hours in the uh, uh, in 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 the fall for actual court work. Now that practice actual practice has started, and twenty hours has has come into effect, we've now used video as a teaching tool because we have the time to do it mm-hmm. and still have enough time on the court. And so that's been important, to, particularly for our new kids, to get an understanding of how we watch film and, how, and the things we're looking for in film. And frankly, for them to see themselves on film in our environment and, and, and managing our uh, uh, desires and, and our methods and, 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 uh, and how we do things. I'm sure it's been somewhat a blessing in disguise to have those extra four hours. You have... Uh Chloe Long, who left after last year, who was seventh in JSU history and rebound. So you've got a big position to fill there, but you've also got five newcomers and you've got a lot of JUCO experience coming in. Tell me about the team that you have that you're working with on the court now. Well, uh, what we have right now, we we have a mix. We have some very experienced kids and then we have some new kids, like you mentioned. And, and we have, you know, two, two um, uh, you know, we have three uh, kids in the senior class that played a lot of minutes uh, or some significant conference minutes. Let's, let's put it that way. One, one all-conference player. One in Chloe Long, you mentioned, who was a, a great uh, defender uh, and rebounder uh, in terms of uh, what she did for us with size and was, a, uh, was a, a good handler. She could bring the ball up versus pressure. So, th- so in, in the starting lineup, we have two big holes. We have one reserve, uh, McKenna Lawrence, who, who made a big impact for us in the conference season. So uh, 
she's gone. So, so those are three holes that have to be filled. And we're still in the process of figuring out who fills them. I mean, we haven't decided, you know, we're, of course, we're five practices in, full practices in. But we haven't decided yet who that's going to be. Um, uh, and, and, and we're going to continue to use, because, you know, we, we'll have 32 practices before we, and, and that's another thing. We have no scrimmages. We have no exhibition games. The first time we tip it up, it's going to be a game that counts. Mm -hmm. That's another difference. And so we have 32 total practices before we play a game, and it's a game that counts. So uh, in our case, because we don't start on the 25th, we're, we're going to start on the 28th. So um, we're still trying to figure it out. And uh, we have person, you know, Kiara Griffin is our one freshman, and she has shown flashes where – you know, she could be, you know, one of those people that fills in one of those key spots. And then we have, you know, three junior college players. We have four to uh, transfers, but one will be sitting out this year due to transfer rules, a transfer from Troy. But the other three um, are battling for time with the returning players. So uh, so we're still in a mode of discovery, you know, trying to figure out who's going to be playing and how much. You look at the trend over the past three years, the 16-17 season, you don't get to go to Nashville for the OVC tournament, but then you turn around, and the last three years you've been in Evansville. You've won a game in Evansville. Uh, you have a tough schedule last year. You finish just two games below 500, but then in the conference you're two games above 500, and you put on a fantastic show at home at 10-4 and four at Pete Matthews Coliseum. And so, like I said, the trend, you see it going up. Tell me about what the expectation is for this team this year. Well, you know, the expectation, you know, the last two years – if you talk about OVC, we're two games over 500 the last two years in the OVC. We were 500 uh, uh, in, in 18, 19, and 10 and 8, and, and two games above in 19, 20. So, you know, the the hope and expectation is to improve on that. You 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 know you you don't want to settle for being a fifth place, uh, you know, or a sixth place team. Now, while that is top half, and top half is 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 good, it's better than bottom half. <laughs> Um, you you want to be in a position where you're competing for a title. Mm -hmm. And so that's the objective. And here's the thing. For our kids, what was important to them is that two weeks before the conference tournament, we played Southeast Missouri in here, and we beat them by 21 points. Southeast Missouri won the OVC tournament. Mm -hmm. So two weeks before, we beat them in here by 21. So the fact what was so important, and of course we had the big win over Belmont in here, held them to the lowest point total they've ever scored in the OVC since they joined the league. Uh, uh, largest margin of victory, I think second largest since they've been in the league that we, we, we inflicted upon them when we beat them in here. So our kids, particularly our returning kids, they understand we can compete with the best in this league. We just have to be more consistent this year and put a string of games together where instead of 10 and 8, we can get to 12 and 6 or 13 5. I mean, that that's what we're tr that's what we want to move towards. For us, we don't get to go to Evansville preseason for OVC Media Day. That will be online Zoom this year. And there are some other things like that where me and you and Coach Harper and Daniel, you know, things will be a little bit different for us. And it's been very different for the teams as well. But one of the upsides is that basketball hasn't had their schedule or their season near as altered as much as all the other sports have. Right. How has it been 
keeping the morale up when you you talk to baseball softball you know they're saying well it's it's tough to keep our guys and our girls motivated right now because you know we we don't have anything that we're playing for right now what do we do how has it been for basketball on the flip side where you get your season pushed back to start november 25th but everything else has been kind of untouched right i I think once that the new because i think our kids were kind of waiting with bated breath Mm -hmm. to find out what what the edict was going to be about basketball and so once the edict came down and we were given us a date i I think there was kind of a sigh of relief from our kids that okay we now know that there's going to be a season we know when it's going to start and so i think that that uh rejuvenated them a little bit i think you know we, everybody had the long break, and we did get our kids here for three weeks in the summer, and they were just – I've never had kids so excited to practice mm-hmm. uh, as when they return in, in July after having been away for uh, April, May, June, four full months. I mean, four, some of our kids hadn't been in a gym with a ball in f- the, since the day they left here, mm-hmm. uh, March the 12th or 13th, whatever the date was. So we had a lot of enthusiasm those three weeks of July, and that enthusiasm carried over. We gave them an off week and a half, week and a half, and then we started get when stool started, and we had some enthusiasm. But again, as you continue to do that, the grind begins to wear. And so you do need a carrot to kind of keep you enthused about doing your work. And so once we got that edict given that November 25th was the start date, I think that helped uh, keep our kids focused. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on with us for a quick interview. Uh, We're looking forward to basketball season getting started up. I know uh, it's something that us as staff members and fans, you know, we we feared what could happen, but we've we've had a little bit of a sigh of relief to say, okay, it's things are going to move forward as normal as possible, and we're very excited for it. Well, as are we. Thank you, Tyler. Now here is head men's basketball coach, Ray Harper talking with head men's basketball coach Ray Harper and coach you're a weekend to official practices now how does it feel to be back on the court full-time oh that's good I mean it's been a long time and uh you know obviously it's a little different in terms we didn't have these guys here all summer um I think if we'd have had 10 returners it made things a lot a lot easier but uh I'll give the kids credit I mean they they've worked hard or they're getting better and uh you know they're a fun group how has COVID kind of made things difficult this offseason going into? I know the schedule's been pushed back to November 25th, and I know it's it's definitely caused some scheduling headaches with everything going on. Yeah, it's you know it's caused headaches with everything, um, but the schedule itself. I mean, obviously we we weren't sure what date we were going to be able to play. Uh, originally, it was November 10th. Um, then obviously it gets pushed back to the 25th. Well. Every game that we had prior to the 25th basically got canceled. Every other game, the teams uh, elected to not play, push it back a year. And then we were in an, an MTE with Syracuse and Wisconsin, Green Bay, Mercer, LSU. It, it got canceled. So uh, it's been difficult, um, but it's been difficult for everyone across the country. And uh, to say we're not finished at this point, uh, here it is October 20th or whatever, and uh, we still don't know for sure. I could. Uh, we know four of our seven non-conference games. Uh, it's a matter of those final three, and we could go a lot of different directions. We could go to a bubble and play a couple games, which we've looked at. Uh, 
maybe a home and home with a couple of different teams. It's uh, you know we just lost a game today uh, that was going to be a home home game. So um, I don't think uh, we'll know for another week to ten days for sure. Uh, you know, and talking to one of the coaches in the league. Uh, the only games that he has scheduled is his MTE. So we're not the only one in the country dealing with this. Up until last week, before you start official practices, you get, I think it's eight hours per week. They they bumped you up to 12. How did that affect your team being able to see them a little more throughout the week before you got into full-time practices? Well, obviously, it, it gave you an opportunity to, to be on the court with them a little longer. So it, it obviously helped. Um and we needed it uh, based on our roster. But, again, I think, you know, uh, these kids have done what we've asked. Uh, we still got a long ways to go. Uh, you know, the biggest thing, getting these guys back that uh, is conditioning. Um, you know, you had guys that from March when they left here that you didn't see them again until July 20th. Um, and then we had to – we got back July 20th and were shut down almost immediately for 14 days. Uh, we've had different guys in for 10 days into isolation or a couple guys in quarantine because they were around someone. So, you know, it, it's learning how to pivot and continue to move along. And that's kind of how we've been. But because of that, uh, I think the conditioning is going to be a factor for some of these kids uh, when we first start. And you were talking about that roster. You've got 15 guys on roster. 11 of them are new. You had four returning from last year with Kane Henry, Juwan Perdue, Martin Rube, and Roche Zelly Snack. And so being able to get them all together and have those 12 hours before the official practice started, how important was that to get those new guys in here? Well, it was critical. Uh, I mean, obviously, if we would have just been able to see them for the first time last week, I mean, we'd be so far behind. We wouldn't be able to play until December, middle of December. But – you know, we, we, we do have one guy who, returning that played major minutes. Uh, the other three really didn't play a lot. Uh, Marty had his spots uh, where he played a lot uh, mid-season. Juwan played a little bit late season. Zelly up and down as far as his minutes. But So I think obviously you're going to see some guys on the court that uh, have, have not played in a Jacksonville State uniform. We have a few freshmen that are coming in, but we've got a lot of JUCO talent, some graduates that are coming in. Tell me about some of that experience we're having transfer in. Well, it's, you know, obviously with, with this many new guys, it's critical. I mean, you you wouldn't want to have nine freshmen. I mean, it, it'd be tough. But, you know, you'll start with Brandon Huffman. I mean, obviously a senior. Uh, we were able to get a waiver to get him to eligible immediately. Uh, you know, he's a guy that's played in the ACC for three years, played in a great program at North Carolina. Um, he's going to be a, a big help to us. He, What he is, he's a rim protector. Uh, best uh, example I can give, he's like a Christian Cunningham. He blocks everything around the rim. Uh, difference is he's 6'11", 275. Um, but he's a quick jumper. He's athletic. Uh, and he can score the ball, you know, 10 feet and in. So I think he'll be a factor in this league. Um, you know, Darian Adams, uh, a graduate student from Troy, he'd averaged about 13 or 14 a game last year in the Sun Belt, which is a good league. So you you hope he can do do that or more uh, for us this year as a, as a fifth-year kid. Uh, and he's been terrific uh, up to today. Um, so you look at those two, and then Amanze and Gumaze, who, who set out for us last year. Uh, so he, he should have a, an idea of what we're trying to do. Now, he was on the scout team and 
all of that most of the time when he got here in January. But uh, another kid that's eligible immediately uh, brings size and athleticism. Um, you know, talent-wise, he he's um, he's probably one of the more talented kids that we have. Having Kane Henry back as a senior after he transfers in from JUCO, he has his first year at the Division One level last year. How much do you believe he learned in that one year and what he's able to bring to a senior year? Well, I don't think there's any question just watching him. He, he learned how to compete and play hard every day. Um, he's been he's been good. I mean, he put on about 15 or 20 pounds of muscle in the offseason, which I think is really going to help him. Uh, he's expanded his game. He's, he's shooting the ball better. Uh, we tried to uh, do a lot of ball handling stuff with him. He, you know, he's a terrific athlete that uh, I think his best basketball is still ahead of him. Um, you know, uh, uh, another example is Jawan Purdue. I don't think we, out of the four guys we re returned, I think he took the biggest jump of the four in the one year. And again, just how hard he competes every day, uh, understanding what we're doing. Uh, when he's on the floor, he he understands what, what we're trying to do on, on both ends of the court. So uh, I think he'll make an impact for us this season as well. That changed your coaching staff as well. Chase Richardson left just a few weeks ago, and you're able to elevate Ty Anderson up to the assistant coach's spot from the director of operations spot. What does it mean to be able to take Ty, who's been here for a year in that director of ops spot, and slide him into that assistant coach's spot, having someone that knows the program fairly well and is able to step in and coach? I think, obviously, the, the timing of it, uh, you know, obviously we were getting ready to start practice, and, and me being able to just uh, evaluate Ty on a daily basis. It's, it, you know, I, he had an a interview every day for the last year and was able to, to see him, see how hard he works. Uh, you know, he, he's great with the kids. He has a great relationship with those guys, and I thought that was critical. I mean, Chase did a terrific job for the last four or five years, and, um, you know, we're going to miss him. There's no question about that. But I think uh, Ty's going to do a great job. He's got good recruiting contacts. Uh, um, you know, he's a high school coach in Georgia. He's he's been a Division II assistant at that in Georgia. So I think he's going to do uh, a, a terrific job, and I'm excited about what he brings to the table. I know the Cardinals are out, but are you going to be watching the World Series regardless? I will. I'll watch the World Series and pull for the Rays. Uh, you know, uh, <laughs> I, I hate to say it. I know there's a lot of Braves fans around here, but. Uh, Coach Richardson was a big Braves fan, so uh, I didn't want to hear uh, all winter about the Braves winning the World Series. <laughs> so I kind of pulled for the Dodgers the other night, which is unusual for me. But uh, I did like the Braves team this year with all those young guys, and I hated seeing Ozuna in the lineup. Uh, he needs to be back in the Cardinals uniform next year. But, yeah, I'll, I'll definitely tune in uh, to watch the Rays and Dodgers. I think it would be a great series. With the way baseball handled everything with fans this year, you didn't have a lot of people in the stands. You have a few people watching during the postseason in the World Series. How do you feel like that's going to affect college basketball when it rolls around? What what can you expect to see as far as limited number of fans in the bleachers? And do you think it'll have an effect on the team? Is it that big of a deal to you? Oh, I think I think a home court advantage is because of the fans. I think you'll see. Uh, some teams lose home games that normally don't. Um, you know, you take uh, 
take Kentucky, for example, you take 23,000 screaming fans out of the arena. I mean, it, it's obviously – it not only affects the momentum and the flow of the game sometimes, but it can have an effect uh, on officials. It, it probably shouldn't, and, and people say it doesn't, but it, but it does. It's human nature to, to get caught up in the game or the 50-50 call to go that way. And it's uh, – you know, it, it'll be interesting, but, uh, you know, the biggest thing and uh, is what looks like we're going to be able to play, which is exciting. And then it'll vary from state to state how many people are in the games. I know I was watching Texas A&M in Florida in football last weekend or two weekends ago, and I don't know how many were there, but there were a lot of fans <laughs> at that Texas A&M game. When it comes to between now and November 25th, where do the guys have to be? What do you guys need to be doing between now and then to be ready to go? Because there's no exhibitions or anything like that, no scrimmages. So what do you have to do to be able to say, okay, when the green flag drops on November 25th, we got to be ready to play? Well, we, we've got to get in better shape with, with some of our guys. Um, and it's difficult because you have to take off so often. Uh, you know, for example – uh, this week we we uh, we were off Sunday, which is pretty much an off day for us throughout the year. We uh, I've always done that, uh, even when you didn't have to give kids uh, a day off. We always took off on Sundays. Um, we went Monday, Tuesday. We'll have to be off on Wednesday. We'll come back Thursday, Friday, Saturday. We're off again on Sunday. Uh, so pretty much they're getting two days a week off every week. And that's, that's a little difficult with some of these guys because they don't need days off. They need two-a-days. Uh, and, and uh, you know, with the 20 hours a week, we're, we're looking at some things that we may have to add some two-a-days as it gets closer to November 25th. Well, Coach, I really appreciate you coming on with us, and we're all looking forward to basketball season getting started. It won't be long. And, uh, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, this COVID will – won't rear its ugly head and we can have a full season. I agree. Thank you, Coach. All right. Thank you. That'll do it for this week's episode of Behind the Peak. Be sure to join us next week for another installment. Until then, I'm Tyler Brown saying thank you for listening and go Gamecocks. This has been Behind the Beak, the official podcast of Jacksonville State Athletics. Look for new episodes each week or browse the archives on the Apple Podcast app or by visiting jsugamecocksports.com. For more on Jacksonville State Athletics, visit the official website of the Gamecocks, jsugamecocksports.com, and follow JSU on social media by searching at JSU Gamecocks on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.